0: 30, and I apologize ahead of time that I'm in a funereal kind of mood, very somber. Um, I started this episode on May 30th at 9.11 p.m. from San Diego, California, and I didn't realize it when I originally planned the show for today because I'm going to be talking about the shooting that recently happened at Robb Elementary School in Uvalde, Texas. Today also happens to be Memorial Day. And I know for most Americans, or some Americans, it's a day of barbecuing, spending time with family, partying and just spending time outdoors and time together. But for many others, especially combat veterans, it's a very tough day. It's a day in which they remember all their lost buddies at war. It's a day that families mourn the loss of their loved one who gave the ultimate sacrifice in giving their life for our country, the United States of America. So I'd like to give thoughts and prayers out to those family members and those loved ones and those veterans that more than likely had a very tough time today. I know some combat veterans that are struggling today. And I know that I saw someone this morning, a picture of someone putting flowers on a grave of a loved one, and it brought a tear to my eye. Thoughts and prayers are something that I think we say too much. And this week has been a really tough week for America. Unfortunately, it has become entirely politicized. And it drives me absolutely nuts. We should be thinking about these families and about our children. Our children that keep getting brutally murdered in cold blood. We must stop it. We must resolve this issue now. We talk about it every time a shooting happens, and we really haven't done anything about it. Our innocent children are being murdered, and this must stop. There have been 14 mass shootings at U.S. schools since 1999's massacre at Columbine High School in Colorado. And there have been a total of 169 young people killed so I'm going to talk about some of those schools and I'm going to include colleges as well because they are young people they are people that are still growing and still learning and still learning how to be adults and become adults they're young individuals the future of our country and they're being killed still just last week An 18-year-old gunman gets into an elementary school in Uvalde, Texas and kills 19 children and two adults. Taking it all the way back to Columbine. In 1999, 13 were dead, killed by two students who went in and killed their peers. In 2005, in March, a 16-year-old not only killed his grandfather and his grandfather's companion. He went to a Minnesota school, killed five students, a teacher, and a security guard before, of course, shooting himself. In West Nickel Mines, an Amish school, in October of 2006, five people were shot dead by a 32-year-old in Pennsylvania. We remember the Virginia Tech killings. April of 2007, 32 people dead shot by a 23-year-old on the campus in Virginia. Northern Illinois University in February 2008, another 5 dead by a 27-year-old former student. You see a pattern here. As I keep going, there's a 16-year-old, a 32-year-old, a 23-year-old, 27-year-old and i keep moving on oikos university april 2012 seven dead former nursing student came in and shot seven people in east oakland california and of course one of the biggest mass shootings before this one Robin elementary sandy hook elementary school in december 2012 27 dead 19 year old kid goes in there after he kills his mother in Connecticut, goes into Sandy Hook, killed 20 first graders. Hmm. It hits so hard when people have young children, 20 first graders and six teachers. As I keep moving on, University of California in Santa Barbara, May 2014, a 22-year-old college student, frustrated over sexual rejections, goes in and kills six people. October 2014, another four are killed by a 15-year-old who used text messages to draw several cousins and friends to the cafeteria at Marysville Pilchuk High School, killed four. Umpqua Community College, October 2015, nine dead in a school in Roseburg, Oregon. Nine others were shot also and injured before he killed himself. Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in February 2018, another 17 dead. Killed 14 students and three staff members. 20 year old suspect charged with murder. Santa Fe High School in May 2018, 10 more dead. Shooter opened fire at the high school in the Houston area, killing 10 people. Most of them were students, and that was a 17 year old suspect. Last but not least, in November 2021, four dead as a student killed. Them at an Oxford, Michigan school near Detroit. His parents were charged with involuntary manslaughter. And it was said at the time that people ignored the warning signs. And I'm going to talk about that more later on in the show and how we all need to be more aware of warning signs, um, checking on our family members, checking in with them, and making sure we report suspicious activities. Uh, when we see it Um, a lot of times the suspects um, pre-post on their social media what they're planning on doing or they tell someone or they talk about it with someone or they write it somewhere we need to pay more attention and these type of situations every single time become immediately politicized automatically going after the gun lobby that's not the answer for this specific topic, including gun laws and regulations, et cetera. Yes, maybe we need to increase the waiting period to get a gun in this country. Maybe we should require psychological evaluations. Hell, maybe we can reduce the amount of ammo we allow one person to buy at a time, especially a young person. How can they buy 300 rounds on their 18th birthday? Gun lobby... The gun lobby the NRA and other special interests including big pharma the big oil companies these lobbies are never going away these lobbies invest millions per year to our politicians and the politicians have to support them back that's the way it always has been so to blame the gun lobby or gun owners for that matter is completely insane to me to create gun laws I don't want to say it's useless, but criminals do not follow laws. The murderer is the one who is responsible for these despicable and horrific events and carnage, not the damn guns. Did you know that 230 children have died in the last year for alcohol-related car accidents in the US alone? Yet alcohol is still legal. How about we focus on something different? And I mean resolutions. But specifically, how about the mental health in this country? There is obviously a mental health epidemic in this country and we're not addressing it. But even more important than that, we're not protecting our children. How are we continually letting suspect get into a school to kill our kids. The future of our country. We must stand as one in this country on this issue and come up with permanent resolutions to keep our kids safe. This is ridiculous. Our children should not be afraid to go to school. Our teachers should not fear that they will need to shield their students from bullets today when they go to work. We need to fix this. Come on, we need to fix this now. Public schools are federally and state funded. They get a right into their budgets to have multiple guards on campus. I know that a lot of call co- sorry, a lot of schools and potentially colleges have put millions out already to provide guards, but I'm not talking about Joe Schmo. I'm not talking about just the security guard that's maybe getting $15, $16, 18 dollars an hour and he's potentially on a cell phone most of the day Um, I'm talking about real secure fully trained guards carrying guns 100% at attention protecting that school not allowing anyone to enter that school guarding our children guarding the schools protecting the campus the students and the teachers schools to write this into their budgets I do understand that in August 2020 law, enforce, law enforcement officers from five agencies got together inside the hallways of a school in Uvalde, Texas their guns drawn role playing how they would halt a gunman the training was kind of like an overhaul of security preparedness in Uvalde in a crotch muss of Texas for that matter. School officials were doubling their budget for security, updating protocols, adding officers to the police department, and the city's separate police force dispatched its SWAT team and tactical gear to learn the layout of the school and the buildings. But none of these extensive preparations halted the rampage. And this 18 year old gunman still entered the school at Uvalde Elementary School and killed these kids and two teachers we've got to prevent them from even entering the school all that training and all that preparedness and all that money for nothing and i'll talk about that a little bit more as i talk about the police force and the task force and the negotiator and the tactical team and all those things because in my opinion those things are useless if this shooter gets inside the school he's in there for one reason to kill people so if we can't prevent him from getting in there we're not going to prevent the murders following the shooting at the Marjorie stoneman douglas high school in parkland florida in february 2018 there were some students there that claimed that local government or officials were at fault for failing to protect them students filed a lawsuit against the Broward School District and the Sheriff's Office and the school deputy Scott Peterson at the time including the campus monitor that was there at the time as well but a federal judge ruled that the government agencies had no constitutional duty to protect students who were not in custody it's really out of the cops' hands at this point, once the shooter enters the school. The news or news conference that happened after the shooting, I believe it was the police sergeants there, Uvalde Police Department, said they were waiting on that tactical team and SWAT and the negotiator. It's too late. Those kids and those teachers are dead at that point. We cannot let the shooters get into the school. Anyway, the decision um, stated, again, I'll repeat that, law establishing government agencies, including police agencies, have no duty to provide protection to citizens in general. Neither the Constitution nor the state law impose a general duty upon police officers or other governmental officials to protect persons from harm, even when they know harm will occur. That's what a professor, Darren L. Hutchinson, said, the associate dean at the University of Florida School of Law. Police can watch someone attack you and refuse to intervene and not violate the Constitution. The Supreme Court has repeatedly, I say repeatedly held the government, has only one duty to protect persons who are in custody. So what do we do? What do we do to stop these shooters from entering the schools? We need to work together in a bipartisan manner. Pull all the political baloney out of this. Do we need to come up with safe rooms in schools? Do we need to build safe rooms and have these guards armed or some sort of silent alarm that's hit by whoever sees a shooter coming or enter or have them in all the rooms, have them in all places. So when someone hits this set alarm that all students, not only go into lockdown, they go to lockdown in a safe room. Do we need to have armed guards with extensive, extensive training? And or, I'm not sure how many teachers would be willing to carry a gun. But can we have teachers or staff trained handgun safety and to shoot and to be able to shoot to kill? As military and police are trained to shoot, to kill, one shot, one kill. I'll keep saying it over and over again. We need to prevent the shooters from entering the schools. Do we have metal detectors in all the entrances? Do we set these schools up? Like the security at the airport, like a jail. No one can get inside a jail to visit a convict in there to visit a prisoner. They cannot get in, it's secured. Do we need to secure our schools like that to keep our children safe? There should be metal detectors at every school, no exceptions. They should all be locked down. Not every single entrance and every single classroom locked down with steel doors and they can only be opened from the inside. I'll go back to it safe rooms fully secured facilities like a jail. I know many people are going to talk about gun laws and regulations but those aren't going to solve anything and there's really other things that are holding those laws and regulations back. Yes, we could use more stringent rules to buy the guns and ammo like I said earlier. Maybe the amount that you could purchase at one time longer waiting periods more extensive background checks psychological evaluations i'm not a gun owner myself i have no need for a gun however i am pro-choice and if people want to go buy guns or own guns or whatever but maybe just maybe there needs to be some sort of limits i saw a video earlier in the week and it was a military veteran himself and he said you know what maybe we need to hire veterans combat veterans to become bus drivers a lot of times bus drivers are part-time and then after they drop the kids off at school they become guards and they keep the school secure and I thought that is a great idea that's a fantastic idea you know why Because individuals that served in the military, they would take protecting that school as a mission. As a mission. They would guard that school with their life. And yes, they would need some extensive training in addition to the training they'd already received just to make sure they're making the best decision at every moment. But you put two combat veterans that are also bus drivers to secure each side of the school. And they communicate all day long. You have a policy in place that are not allowed to use their cell phones besides on their breaks. These veterans would protect these kids. I'm telling you right now, these veterans would protect these kids. I never heard a better idea in my life when we start talking about these schools and protecting these schools. Furthermore, with the whole gun Laws and regulations and going after the lobby and all that. There's this whole Second Amendment thing. And I know most people know about the Second Amendment already, but how it's defined in the Constitution of the United States? Of America, 1789. Yeah, let that sink in. 1789. There have been some addendums to the Constitution, and maybe we need to look at more, but that's not the subject of today. The Second Amendment is, quote, a well-regulated militia, the American citizen, being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed, end quote. In just 27 words, the Second Amendment solidifies one of America's most fundamental freedoms, the right to keep and bear arms. But what really is the Second Amendment? And how does it protect you as an American? In short, the Second Amendment really states that as an American citizen, you have the individual right to arm yourself. It also firmly states that the government cannot infringe on that right. So there's always going to be a hold up there. And people are always going to refer to this, especially those like the NRA and others that support the gun lobby. The Second Amendment was ratified, though, in December of 1971 as one of the first ten amendments to the Constitution, known as the Bill of Rights. We know that. The Bill of Rights expanded, and by establishing clear individual rights, limiting the government's power and further laying the foundation. Sorry, excuse me. The foundation of American freedom. Today, the Second Amendment remains fundamental to protecting the rights of all abiding gun citizens or gun owners in America. So, if you look at that meaning a little bit more and that well-regulated Militia, it's really just talking about the American citizen, the gun owner. I mean, the term militia mentioned in the Second Amendment opening line refers to American people. That's how George Mason described it and meant it when that was written. And someone asked, What is the militia? And it really is the whole people, except for the few public officials. So the Supreme Court has established that right to keep and bear arms, individual right, unrelated to anyone's status, any militia. So um, that's about all I'll say about the Constitution. But as far as the Second Amendment is concerned, it's not going away. It's not going away. So to talk about the gun lobby is just kind of ridiculous to me. Um, for the simple fact that if you're going to bring up the gun lobby just in general and I don't want to take away anything from the families with this shooting but if you're going to bring up a gun lobby every single shooting happens why do you not talk about the other lobbies and other situations so the so- so-called gun lobby in the U.S. is really a broad term and I know it It influences both state and federal policy on guns, um, usually through supporting candidates who have placed, or pledged, rather, opposition to gun control measures. And um, I know the NRA has close ties with the multi-billion-dollar firearms industry in the U.S. And they feed the politicians, so the politicians have to support them just like the big oil lobby. You know that oil and gas company spent $12.5 million in the first quarter of this year? The first quarter, it's a million more than they spent last year in the first quarter. How about Big farm, The pharmaceutical lobby. The healthcare industry is the second largest industry lobbying group in the United States, only behind the financial sector. Do you know the Big Farm donated $600 million to politicians just before the 2020 elections? So before we start blaming the gun lobby for murders, the NRA, etc., etc., we may want to delve a little deeper into the true cause of gun violence on our children, our young people in America, and come up with a resolution. Our young people in America need to stop getting murdered in cold blood. We need solutions. Again, I will say a bipartisan solution. Stop making this a political agenda. These families deserve more. These children deserve more. Just stop trying to point the finger of blame and take care of the issue. We need to figure out a way to stop the shooter from entering the school. We need to figure out a way to stop the shooter before they even start shooting. And what I mean by that is, what I said earlier in the show, folks, we have a mental health epidemic on our hands in America, and we need to rectify that issue and provide the support to those who need it. Did you know out of the top 16 countries in the world, with the most mental health illnesses, the United States is number three. And just for comparison, Australia is number six. But if you do a similar comparison, you flip-flop that and look at the countries with the most aid for individuals with mental illnesses, Australia ranks 10th on that list in the care that is actually given to individuals with mental illnesses. However, however, the great United States of America, that is number three in the amount of people with mental illnesses, were not even ranked in the top 25 for care given to those who have mental illnesses and who need help. To solve this issue, it's going to take a comprehensive and bipartisan approach that includes mental health and guns. These shootings are not just about guns. It's about humans. All these 10-year-old children got murdered in cold blood for no damn reason. We need to help those who need help and we need to protect our children now. We also need to speak out about those we know who are showing signs or are asking for help. We need to ask questions. We need to communicate with our family members, our friends, our coworkers, our community members, and offer help or support and report suspicious behaviors even if it's someone you care for a lot. We must save our children. We need to look for those screams for help. We need to listen. We need to observe and report how many more either lonely, alienated, disconnected, young people. And you know these numbers that I just said earlier. These are all young people that are committing the murders as well. Perpetrating murder and then suicide. need we witness before admitting the irrefutable fact that the shooters are all young people and almost always have mental health issues and they almost always post something on social media or tell someone they're planning on doing it a big key to stopping these tragedies is for all of us in society all of us in our communities to be alert to these warnings and look for them and report them and act on them immediately. Just as we have suicide awareness and mental health awareness, once we recognize these issues, we need to report them. We need to catch this sooner. We need to stop uttering thoughts and prayers. Thoughts and prayers are not enough. Trying to find a blame is not enough. We've been trying to find a blame for the shooters since 1999 when the massacre at Columbine High School happened. Why are we still having the same conversations? Why are we still pointing the same fingers at the same issues? and not coming up with long-term solutions and protecting our children from getting brutally murdered. Mental health and anxiety in children is gonna continue to skyrocket. I haven't even talked to my child about the shootings that happened. He's too young. He's not ready for that conversation. But it's probably going to get talked about at school in one way or another, or other kids are going to talk to them because they talk about everything at school. These teachers that we're going to lose in fear that they're going to have to be a human shield to protect their children. But if we're not going to come up with some solutions with armed guards, fully trained, fully secured campuses, safe rooms. I can guarantee you there's plenty of parents out there that would carry right now and go in there. I read a story where a mother hopped the fence, went into that school, rescued her own two kids, and got the hell out of there. And that lady's a hero. There's plenty of people that would take a bullet for their kid, or other people's kids just like those teachers did to protect our children. And that's what this is all about. I know that there's been many, many mass shootings in this country just this year. But I really wanted to focus today on the shootings, on our young people, the future of our countries. And these politicians need to wake up And stop politicizing these issues as they come up. Everything is so politically charged now. Left and right. Stop it. We need to resolve this. We need to come up with long-term solutions. So our children are no longer brutally murdered. That being said, I'm so sorry to all the families who won't be able to take their kids to school anymore. They won't be able to pick their kids up from school anymore. They won't be able to kiss their kids good morning or good night. They won't be able to see their kids grow up and become the wonderful people that they are won't get to see them be adults. Your children are not supposed to die before you, and especially not get murdered. We must come together and resolve this now. I cannot say it enough times. We must stand up as Americans and resolve this and make this happen and hold our politicians accountable write these into our school budgets, get our schools where they need to be secure for our children. That being said, I wanna again give a shout out. Today um, is Memorial Day to all the families and to all the veterans who gave their lives to keep our country free. I want to give all my thoughts and love and prayer to the veterans' families and the surviving veterans um, that lost buddies or lost family members, and to all those who are affected by Memorial Day. We've lost so many veterans over the years and over the wars, and we will continue to do so. And today is a day really to remember them, let's all please remember and never forget that our veterans have kept our country free God bless America good night thank you for listening to Talk 30 I also do a show on Thursday evenings the Frills Daily show with Frills Daily I am Sean F. Smith and I'm signing out for the night thank you for listening God bless, and good night.